research on uh oh crap you don't know jack so that way i can have something this time because i feel like i i'm the one that doesn't know jack and you know all things i got one it's happening i'm gonna write it down so that i can get you dang it (laughs) you're gonna and i'm gonna end up looking like an idiot Never, dude. See, the whole thing about this, you don't know, Jack Wagon is not to look like an idiot. It's just to educate people, our our listeners, you know, that's all. <laughs> to educate one another and our listeners. And, and me. <laughs> Which is good because uh, then, you know, we went to this conference, that conference, and we, uh, one of the guy's advice was to have your friends curate the news for you. So this is kind of like... <laughs> You're still against that. You're you're curating the news. I'm still for me. against that because well, there's so many things that happen in the world that you need to be up on, man. Well, like, almost immediately. Here's here's the the challenge is knowing what I'm responsible to know. True. As a as a functioning member of our society, <laughs> but then also knowing what's like literally we can know what's happening in places that we will never be that's the danger in our of entire life. our society nowadays is we can i don't think we were meant to have the information around the world like, I, like psychologically i, I don't agree. think we were meant to have that but the world today you keep it you just know what's happening across the street and around the world reminds me of a song i won't sing it <laughs> it's a christian song you should sing it Across the street and around the world, the mission's still the same. Dude. Do you know that song? No. Okay, never mind. I didn't know it was a song. Oh, really? Because okay. that was something uh, a, you previous don't know pastor, a previous okay. pastor said all the time. That no. was like our mission statement. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, it's like a song. Four, four I think it's missions. a Steve Green song. Look it up. Steve Green. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I'd, have to, I'd have to look it up. Yeah. I think it's a Steve. I didn't I mention the previous pastor's name because I didn't want him to bring and want to want to bring him into our mess, you know. Um, mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing, and I'm still working through it, knowing, like, what I'm responsible to know and what is actually yeah. by design that God has actually equipped us to be able to know, you know what I mean? Like you can only hold so much information in your brain yeah. and talk about one of the main reasons why our society is so anxiety ridden. I mean, we carry information with us. That's just like, what, like, how can, what do I do with that? Like, what do I, how do I, how do I manage that? So part of my, you don't know, Jack is a, is a question. If you, um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave just it for wait, that. Time. Just wait. Yeah, I'll wait. Yeah, it's, wait. it's hard to hold on it. Cause I never, I'm sure you already know about it. You've probably been there, done that. And like our have already moved on. I don't know, man. My <laughs> determined uh, in your heart. This is that's stupid. <laughs> it's that stupid. He says, that's funny. No, I, uh, I think it is. I don't know. There's things that we need to know. Mm-hmm. There's things we can bury our hand, bury our heads in the sand and not even consider there. I guess there's a balance between being out of touch and knowing too much. Hmm. But I think the difference between knowing and not knowing anything is, am I responsible for the stuff I know? So like, 
just because I know things are happening around the world doesn't mean I can control it or change it or anything. It's just information. Well, mm-hmm. there's other things that are right in front of me that I know, and I just don't want to be responsible for them. So I think a lot of us can get trapped in the news and reports and it can raise our anxiety. It can raise our awareness. It can whatever to us, but then we kind of wash our hands and we feel like we can't do anything about it. And we get so used to bad news that when the bad news is right in front of us, like homelessness, hunger, kids that need homes, you know what I'm saying there, it's right in front of us. And if we equate that to the news, we can't do anything about, we just won't ever do anything. So I, I think there is a balance between what we do with the information that we know or we're responsible for, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. So what, uh, speaking of knowing, unless you have something else that you were brewing mm-hmm. in your brain. No, I'm always what, brewing something. In this, what is in this, this week? Why is this week so important? Ruben? This week is super important because it is Easter week Yo. or Holy week. Yes. So welcome, welcome to our Holy week podcast. And it's going to be Holy. All right. Like lots of holes. Oh, dude. You, I gotcha. Oh, I gotcha. That was good. That was, I'm proud of you, Ray. Thanks, that man. was Thanks, like, man. that, you got it. You got it me came to me when I said it. That. that was like so, that was so dad joke like so good, that yeah. I, oh, We're going to jump into lots of holes. Man. That was be really, <laughs> really good. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> So you're listening to this podcast on Good Friday, which Good Friday is a part of the Holy Week section. Yes. So yeah. imagine all the holes Jesus jumped into the week before he was crucified, man. I mean, he, John 14, you start reading, well, you start reading John 13 and on. It is the massive amount of teaching. And Jesus was like with his disciples and he's like, we're going to squeeze it all in right now. And I'm sure oh, they were man. like, oh, my God, no wonder they're in the Garden of Gethsemane falling asleep, dude, because they had, <laughs> <laughs> they had been listening to Jesus, and he was just telling them, ramble, 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 all good stuff. Obviously, you know, the difference between Jesus' talking and rambling in our podcast, man, you got to listen to a lot of crap to get any nuggets of truth. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus was all truth. Nugget, nugget, I mean, nugget. he is the truth, the way, the life. He's doing it all, you know, so that is the difference oh, between yeah. our whole our, our holy speak and his holy speak. Do you have do you have any tra- like family traditions or things that like personal traditions that you like to hmm. uh, walk through during this during this season or this time? I know there's a lot of you know um, religious practices that people pick up on or have been a part of their family or maybe their um, religious upbringing during this time. And there's so many different variations of it so do you have any like routines or rituals that you kind of try to pay attention to more closely during mm. this season it's a good question i mean since i grew up out of the out of the country in costa rica it was a completely different experience than okay. the united states because you would think that a kind of a religious country like costa rica is like just with religious religious tradition you'd think that holy week and that's why I call it Holy Week, because I don't know what you call it in the States. I don't know if this is like Easter week, Good Friday. Do we call it Holy Week? I don't even know. But in Costa Rica, mm-hmm. we call it Semana Santa, which means Holy Week. And the entire country, when I was little, when I was younger, the entire country would reflect. Like, it was actually a holiday week. So mm-hmm. some people would be off starting Monday. School would be out. Kids wouldn't be. Students wouldn't be in school. Um Everyone got off work on for on Wednesday. So Wednesday, uh, by the time Wednesday noon noonish rolled around, yeah. the whole country was not working. Friday was a holiday. 
uh, sorry, Thursday was a holiday. Friday is a holiday. So on Friday, when I was a kid, if anybody was on the street in a car, like if you were driving on Good Friday, they would stone your car, like throw rocks at it. Oh, wow. It was such a big deal. So the, so the roads are empty. Saturday, of course, and then Sunday's the kind of back to life normal. Like Sunday, basically the celebration was over. So when I was a kid, the whole city, like San Jose, the capital, would empty. So wow. starting on Wednesday, at least. So, so, the, so the roads to the beach, because <laughs> everybody would leave town to go to the beach. The roads to the beach on Wednesday would be just maxed, packed. And then on Sunday afternoon, coming back into the city, there would be traffic jams. And so they put they put toll roads to the to the beaches and so like because they knew that week was going to empty. Another interesting thing for Costa Rican Holy Week, right, my growing up was they stopped selling alcohol on Saturday before Holy Week. And so if you wanted to get your party on and you wanted to have alcohol or drinks or anything like that, people would be in line at the stores on Saturday before Holy Week began. Hmm. And then starting Sunday all the way to the next Sunday, all the like you go to the grocery stores and they'd have these big black tarps covering all the the wine and alcohol section so for me that was really just like culturally and kind of uh practically was the week that that you focused on holiness you know um in my specific tradition and i'm rambling forever i'm about to hit that ramble charlie brown button but in my specific tradition like in my own family Holy Week or the Semana Santa was the the only time in the year that we would celebrate communion together, like the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. We didn't call it communion, we called it the Lord's Supper. And it was always on Tuesday night bef- of Holy Week. So that Tuesday night, it was very closed. It was just our family, uh, our church family, anybody that was a member. We would come on Thursday night, I don't know, 7 o'clock or so. Um, my dad being the pastor or whoever was the pastor at the time that my dad was training, they would walk through the, the you know, the death burial, um, anticipating the resurrection of Jesus. We'd talk about, you know, him on trial and talk mm-hmm. about him being um, tortured and then the crown mm-hmm. of thorns. And so there would always be this aspect. It was very special. I remember as a, as a kid growing up that the Tuesday of Holy Week, was the most special because it was the one time we could do communion. It was the one time we would reflect on it. It was the one time we'd celebrate it together. And so as a kid, I remember, you know, coming to the decision of, of making uh, Jesus kind of accepting Jesus, being baptized, being a part of the church family. Mm -hmm. And I could actually participate in the Lord's supper that one time a year. As I grew up, I began to ask, ask questions about that. And, and like currently about that, we do uh, Lord's supper communion Mm -hmm. multiple times, actually, some people can do it every week if they'd like. Uh, so it's just a, a different uh, focus. But when I was a kid, that was the kind of the week of Holy Week was kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I mean, we didn't do like big meals or anything that I can remember. I think my mom, when we were younger, would do like an Easter basket and, and yeah. give us little prizes here and there. Easter Sunday, we'd do a sunrise service in Costa Rica. So we'd be up at the crack of dawn. Yeah. There the sun rises at uh, 5.30 in the morning and sets at 5.30 at night. And so we'd do a 5.30 in the morning, you know, sunrise breakfast and service. Yeah. And so that was a, always traditionally happening there. Once I moved to the States, man, things are different here. Things are not as, like, you don't think about Holy Week as a pause. Like, you don't go, you don't go to the store and see that you can't buy alcohol. You don't, mm-hmm. you don't see people taking off work. I mean, people work all the way through the week. It's just another week, you know? It's more, yeah, the emphasis is definitely, in my experience here in the States, is it, the emphasis is definitely on the day mm-hmm. of on Easter Sunday. on right. Sunday. And even in, like, the church realm, we kind of had this conversation with several pastors um, 
even this morning of like Easter being equated to like, you know, the Super Bowl and traditionally, right. you know, churches would, you know, go all out for this, this one day. And, uh, it, it was just an interesting thing and I'm not, I'm not against it per se. Uh, but it, I think it did misrepresent the, uh, the importance of reflecting and remembering like the significance Jesus of it. throughout yeah. the throughout the year and throughout like it was it was almost like by putting so much emphasis on that one day and really going all out it i think it was well intentioned but some of the uh, things at least in my life was like oh this is this is the most um, there this is the only important day you know what i mean and and i think a lot of culturally a lot of christians you know uh will it's culturally accepted to go to church on easter mm-hmm. but they it's something that they don't even think about throughout the, the rest of the year you know what i mean like well, it's CEO, not on their radar yeah, yeah christmas christmas easter and other special holidays or whatever <laughs> And uh, Christmas Easter only. Yeah. Oh, Christmas Easter only. See, I I thought it was like you know because we used to have Throwing friend friend mother, days yeah. going up and mother Mother's, <laughs> mother's day, day, and you yeah. would invite that or you know um, baptisms if somebody in your family was getting baptized, right. you know they would invite you and you're like oh, I'll go to support or whatever. Right, right. Um, but it was, I, you know, as a as a parent, I'm reflecting on things that I didn't really give a a whole lot of thought to, um, Mm -hmm. growing up. And last night we, one of the things that we do, uh, on Palm Sunday is we read, uh, this, it's a, it's a silly book, but it is, it's really meaningful to our family and specifically to Jordan. She can't even get through it without, um, tears welling up in her eyes. Just the thought of, uh, Jesus coming in Mm. and, celebrating and saying, you know, everyone yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, and knowing that he was going to, you know, turn around and be nailed to a cross, you know? And it's about this camel who wants to be the front, like the front runner. He's, he's, uh, he's an old camel and he's spent many years, uh, (laughs) like in the back of the line, feeling like he was kind of pushed to the side and he wants to be the, the most important camel, uh, and, and then he sees uh, Jesus coming through on, you know, the little, the, the donkey. And he says, he recognizes the blanket that's laid over. And it references back to the blanket that was uh, in, he, he goes, I, I recognize that blanket. And it's, it's a reference to the, um, the swaddling, swaddling clothes, clothes. And, as if it was taken off that camel mm-hmm. uh, in the stable you know, and right. put on, put on Jesus. And he was like, it kind of changed his, his perspective of like, oh, this is the most holy one. That's cool. This is the most like magnificent and glorious one. He's the one that we should be worshiping. And it says, you know, and, but everyone calls him savior. And it's like, just this, I don't know. I mean, I re- we realized last year, uh, it, cause, uh, Jordan's mom and dad got it for us to read to the kids and it's dated and it's 2017. And I was like, Oh man, for, so we've been reading this thing for, you know, and just time flies so, so fast. And I think we don't even reflect. So for me, I'm I'm trying to get better at, uh, like 
spending not just like just this one day and it's like boom oh it's here it's gone mm-hmm. and like all this preparation for it and then it's gone right. but actually taking the moment and reflecting uh it seems to be a time where it's natural for me to kind of reflect and in just a somber way of like hmm. man there's a i don't know i mean and maybe i'm dealing with some things right now that i've never <laughs> well, it's, with, you it's, know? it's almost like we're getting into a certain age you know you and i are a decade apart but we're getting mm-hmm. to an age where we're interested in creating some tradition with our families mm-hmm. to to kind of anchor them and i grew up longing for easter celebration because we didn't get that that wasn't mm. the normal like people that stayed were those that couldn't go to the beach and I felt like, why can't we just go to the beach with everybody else? And mm. then I don't want to be here. And it was a lighter service. It was a small service. And so uh, I longed for the Easter celebration anticipation. Well, we come to the States and I quickly felt like, oh, what? this is weird. You know, especially mm-hmm. when you throw in the Easter bunny and, mm-hmm. you know, the eggs and some of the, some of the community, like, you know, candy and all this stuff. It, it becomes so distracted from the resurrection of Jesus and churches are competing, seems like, competing to get that one person that's going to come once so that you can inflate your numbers. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It kind of felt that way, whether that's okay. right, whether that's true or not. I don't right. know if it's yeah. true or not, but it's like you you fall into this like, oh, we have to because it's Easter, so we have to promote. We have to hand uh-huh. out cards. We have to get people here because it's the one time people will come. And we tell ourselves, oh, it's the one time they'll come to hear about the resurrection of Jesus. And then there's something called the Easter blues, like the week after Easter, every church is cut in half. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you do that a few times and you either keep trying hard to to get more people on that Easter Sunday, or you fall into like, huh, why are we doing this? Mm. Like, what's the point? And so years ago, I mean, we've we've had this discussion in the past, but years ago, we decided for Easter just to be any other Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so if people come, they can actually see what it's like to be a part of the church, you know, and like nothing crazy. There used to be those, you know, Easter special songs and Easter dramas and the passion plays and the, I mean, all the stuff, even live animals coming through, you know, and camels mm-hmm. coming in. You said camel and thought about, you know, the camels that churches at one point about in the last decade, I mean, they'd have camels and pooping in their auditoriums, you know, and saying, and camels licking people, and oh. you have goats and sheep and horses and donkeys running through the auditorium, and it just becomes this, like, kind of a, a show, you know? I so think... you're just looking at the... And all you do is search on YouTube about Easter fails. Oh, have you seen those? I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up, because as you were, t- <laughs> as you were talking, <laughs> I was like, I thought I had this thought, like, there's probably been more like logistical fails yeah. on in attempts at Easter, like an Easter production <laughs> than any other, like, and why, just you know think what I'm saying? About, like people being raised in the air, like, yeah. uh, like playing the part of Jesus and yeah, like getting falling stuck. or getting stuck or, you know, coming off the balcony in a, in like a zip line and yeah, getting stuck halfway like, over the crowd or, <gasps> or Jesus catching on fire in the tomb. Do you see that one? I don't know if you remember that <laughs> no, one. Jesus with dude. the tomb, the thing caught on fire. Jesus runs out. Oh, camels going down, crapping on the stage. I mean, it's like, and why? I mean, right. I think, I think we get to the point where the cynical, you know, 
kind of person goes, or me, you know, I'm talking about myself. You say, why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. Like, why are we, because those people are coming for the show. Mm -hmm. And and I've heard this said that whatever you reach someone with or whatever you attract someone with, you have to keep them with that. Yeah. Well, that's why the bummer is the week after, two weeks after, three weeks after, it doesn't look anything like that Easter service. And so it's a straight trick. You know what I'm saying? It's like a straight, I don't know what you call it. It's just like a, it's a bait and switch. Yeah. And many times it's, and, and I think culturally people have, I, I think there's, I don't know. I just feel a shift for sure at, after COVID especially is like, mm. There's been, I've said this several times to um, several people, is there's been kind of like a resurgence for, man, people are looking for something that's like real. Mm -hmm. I think there's so much fake news flying around. There's so much like people are constantly, and and it's created a ton of cynicism in, in the world that we live in because nobody knows what's real. Nobody knows what's true. Nobody like, they're like, what, what, like, is this, is this for real? Did you hear this or, you know, whatever. And it's right. like, you don't even know, you don't like where, where is the source that we can turn to <laughs> that? I, I think this is a question that people are asking is like, where's the reliable source that I can go to and have know that I'm going to get the inf- right information. Right. And, you know, because you don't that, believe anything we read anymore. We don't believe anything that we. Yeah, there's see on the news anymore. It's we always just layered with so like, yeah. what's the agenda? Like, who's who? Where's this coming from? And what agenda are they trying to push? <clears throat> you know, and and if we're not careful, I think and and we've seen it happen in our in our culture and society that people have put the church in that same boat. Is like people look with this crooked eye of like, hmm, we'll see. You know, and, and that's, what's sad to me is like that, the the church has become something in the eyes and the hearts of many that is something that is, um, a, it's, I don't even know the right word, but like, it's a, they, they walk in and keep you at an arm's length because they're like, I don't really know if I can trust you. Well, and if you and if you think of the resurrection, like the whole point of this season to to emphasize it, which we understand mm-hmm. that Sunday, all Sunday is resurrection day. Pretty much our life lives in the resurrection yeah, culture life, you know what I'm saying, after the resurrection. But when you're talking about the emphasis of the resurrection and then you get all this fake swirling news around and then mm-hmm. and then the church thinks it has to put on this big show. I'm not, and I and I don't want to be misunderstood that I that I'm like against trying to make it look right and the the mm-hmm. production side like you said earlier, but when the motivation becomes I'm going to do better than I did last year I'm going to make it more fantastic than last year I'm going to do this thing because I have to do this to attract people I got to have all this stuff or we're going to miss the boat people come in with already a heavy burden of all this fake fluff going around them. Mm-hmm. And then they hear the message that Jesus rose from the dead, and automatically it's like, ah, oh, just some more fake news. Mm-hmm. You know, eh, it's just more. It's more of a story. I wonder whose opinion that is. You know. Yeah, it gets put in the category in their minds of just another, just another story, and it loses. I think it's it's power in right? in the lives of the people <clears throat> of like, man, this is actually a historical event 
that took place that changed history forever. Yeah, and there was no fanfare. It was like <laughs> the disciples were following him. There's a small group in the upper room. The disciples were distressed. They were stressed out. They had anxiety. Their their master, their rabbi, had just been killed by the Romans. Mm-hmm. And then these women went to, to dress his body and found an empty tomb. And then Jesus appears and says, I... I told you guys I was gonna be, I was gonna rise, and then Peter and John run to the, you know, run to the the tomb, and it's empty, and then Jesus begins to appear to them. It's like that radically changed their lives that we're still hearing about it today, two thousand years later, and yet we've reduced Easter to a <laughs> live action passion play mm-hmm. with camels that'll crap on our stage, you know. Oof. And I like that. I like that. <laughs> the story that you guys are talking about, about, you know, the Hosanna, it made me think of so many things when you were telling me the story. One of them is, is this the camel that has a hard time getting through the eye of a needle so he can't go, you know, like a wealthy man? <laughs> oh, so first yeah, is that yeah. that old camel they've been trying to shove through the eye of a needle? <laughs> <laughs> and then the second thought was the, the when Jesus, when that was happening and the Pharisees were upset because everybody was saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then he says, even like if they don't, even the stones will cry out. Um, did I tell you what I heard and what I understood that to be when we were in, in Israel? No. So our guide was talking about the, the translated word for stones. If you think about Jesus going to the temple, and this was uh, the Passover time, mm-hmm. and so it drew a bunch of people in that normally weren't around the temple, okay? So the okay. temple had several layers, like courtyards, and you could not go all the way to the temple. Like, actually, the inner... The inner holy holy of holies, only the priests could go there. Well, then you had right. these outer areas where the priests went, and then you had these outer areas that only the men, Jewish men, could go to. Mm-hmm. And then you had an outer area that only women could go up to, and then outside of that, Gentiles. And so as Jesus is going towards the temple, he's moving through the layers of people that mm-hmm. have been kept from the holy of holies. And so you have the the Gentiles that were seeking God, and then you have the women uh, on the next layer, and then you have the men, and then you have the priests, and then you have the, the inner priests. And so Jesus is making his way through, and as a man, he could go all the way up to the place where the men, the Jewish men, were there. Well, when the Pharisees said, you need to tell these people to stop, you know, like, stop saying Hosanna, stop saying uh, glory to God, you know, that you're nothing. And he goes, if they don't, these stones will cry out. And he was pointing, according to our guide, to the Gentiles that the Gentiles were the stones that would cry out, Hosanna. And what's cool about that is it like my mind went whoosh, and it like clicked because in fact, what happened was John says that he came as his own, his own received or not. And it was everyone else, the Gentiles did rise up and accept Jesus and begin to cry out Hosanna. And so that whole idea that the stones, like I always thought this rock, you know, but no, it was actually the Gentiles were called stones. Mm. And I was like, that's really cool. So Wow. Which relates to other passages of scripture where he talks about like the like the living stones yeah. and and the stone oh, the builders rejected and yeah and oh, so it wow. equates That's to an actual person and i was like ooh, i like that that was really cool does that mess with anything like that you know he talks with his conversation with peter and upon this rock i build my church like i mean i don't know he goes your name it is stone yeah. little rock but upon this rock so he changed supposedly his name from well, I don't know if he changed his name. I'm going to get into some lie here. Uh-oh. But he did say the rock is the the declaration that you are the son of the living God. You know, or Jesus the Messiah, the son of the living God. So yeah. that's the that's the rock. But Peter was the rock. 
And so it was a wordplay, you know. Hmm. So I don't think it messes with theology any, but I looked up the usage in the scripture and when Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac, mm-hmm. he believed that God could actually turn the rocks of the altar into living children for him to raise to fulfill his promise. And so there's this, I think the stone, oh, wow. as far as the correlation, it works really well. So anyway. That's interesting. Yeah. And that's something that like, I think it was you that said something about like how understanding Jewish culture and their language like really deepens your understanding of Christianity in general because of some of the language that they used and then also just their their um, rituals and yeah. and understanding purpose behind some of the things that they did uh, on a regular basis. It's one thing to see it. It's another mm-hmm. thing to to understand parts of it. And then the other part is to be just immersed in it. It's like a, I, I've been joking at the church that now I'm an expert. That's not true. I just, I've really <laughs> stuck my pinky toe in it and I'm like, Ooh, I want more, you know? Yeah. And that's really what it's, what it's become. It's like it's opening like, your palate for yeah. something you didn't know you needed or wanted. Well, it's like going to a, it's like going to a museum or like a history, like a history museum. And yeah. you're like, oh, that sounds boring. Like, unless you're a certain type of person that that really loves and thrives on that kind of stuff, the average person I think is like, eh. if I could like go <laughs> like watch a basketball game, or if I could go to you know like a a play, or go do something active, rock climbing, camping, tent, whatever. It's like I'd rather do that. And then yeah. like once you're there and you're immersed in it, you're like, this is fascinating. Yeah, I mean, like, it was like so you're. Last week I was at the I was at DC and so we didn't mm-hmm. get to do our podcast yeah, last yeah, time. Yeah. That's why we're kind of a in between week. But we went to the Spy Museum in DC, and at first I was like, ah, eh, it's just gonna be another museum. And I actually like museums. I don't ever get to spend enough time in museums. But we go into the Spy Museum, and the first thing they do is you become a spy. You get a spy code, spy name. You have a secret code, and you're going through the museum, not only looking at the history of spies and the way that they've change the course of history but you're also like a spy so you're like immersed in it and so you're looking for clues and they're giving you tasks to do you could be killed i mean there's all sorts of so you're immersed in it and when you finish and you get out and then you go to the gift shop you just say take my money because i'm like i'm I'm immersed in this spy world you know and so i still know my spy name i actually know the codes i know the secret you know secret stuff they they gave me and i'm like there's probably there's only probably a hundred of them. So there's probably 10 million people walking around with the same spy code that I had. But I will, I will say the point is they immersed you in more than just information. It was like, you actually got to feel it and live it Mm -hmm. and experience, have a mission and actually accomplish the mission. I'll tell you this. One of my clues, they gave me this portrait and they said, show us where the hidden clue is. You have three guesses. And it was like a window ledge with a, with a little pot. And on the ground, there was like a, a can and then there was a folded piece of paper like a newspaper and then there was a whole bunch of stuff and i was looking around and i was trying to say okay so where would they would be the best place to hide a clue or a message a secret message they put it where i didn't expect it in Mm. dog poop something i'm not going to touch and so i failed because i was like oh it's folded in the newspaper oh no it's in the pot no it's in the can no it's over there in the dog poop 
Dude, did you have to like? <laughs> it wasn't real dog poop. I'm oh. just saying it was like, and they had it like there, and it was like nailed to the ground. I guess people have been trying to like pick it up, you know, and stuff. But that's where the disc was stuck in dog poop. And so, if you're a spy, you got to get down and dirty, man. <laughs> so all that to say is, when you're in, when I went to Israel, that's what it felt like. It felt like we were on a mission to learn, immersed in it with a lot of information, seeing, touching, smelling, hearing. It was it was like an immersive learning experience. So it's different than going just to a museum, you know? Yeah. So, so Easter is such a... I, I, I wonder if that was the original idea of all the fanfare in Easter was to immerse people into the experience, mm. which I think is good, but then I, maybe we lost our way over the, you know, decades. Yeah, I wonder. And really, it's just... It's not that any of that's wrong. It's you have to really be careful to kind of check your motives because when you like, I think there's something to experiencing, you know, like when the passion came out, it's like you watch Ooh. that and you're like, oh my word. And they're doing like, a part two. Whether or not like it was, you know, whatever your thoughts are on it or whatever, like it was, you really got a, even a little glimpse of like, mm-hmm. Wow, like he did that for me. When are our kids old enough to watch that? I don't know, dude. It took me years to watch it myself. I'm struggling in the in the parent category right now of like when to begin to loosen the grip on some of the things and let them make mistakes, but then also guide them and lead them well. Hmm. Ugh, man, it's well until they're like you know beyond the adolescent cracking voice i don't know if there is any answer to that because <laughs> i don't think there's capable of loosening up you know i think I, I told our guys this morning i said i think our our mistake as parents is we we know that kids want freedom and mm-hmm. so the toddler we're holding them and then we put them down to walk and we baby proof the house and we let them go and we give them freedom and independence and show them how to feed themselves and show them how to dress themselves and show them how to go to the bathroom on the big potty and all that stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, we forget that we are supposed to control the child. And so then when they become teenagers, we automatically lock it down. Like we want it to be Mm -hmm. more control as a teenager instead of lock it down as a kid. And then little by little open our hands to freedom, the older they get. And I think some parents go too soon. Some parents don't ever do it. They reverse it and they get really controlled. And then by the time they're 16, 17, kids rebel, run away from home, whatever it is, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that if, you know, someone's listening has had that experience, that's not, it's, it's just, it happens. And so, Part of our learn, our teaching kids is to, we have to discern when is time to open up the freedom gate because eventually they're going to be gone. And if we haven't equipped them, they're going to be, man, they're going to be a hard pressed first year, two years to really Mm -hmm. figure life out, you know? Max is only 11. I tell him all the time the reason you're at this house is to learn. And if you don't learn here, you're going to learn it somewhere else. And uh, so it's better to learn it here when it's hard than to learn it somewhere else when, when, when the world is really against you, you know, but yeah. it's tough. So the passion is a weird one, man, because I, I'd like my kids to see it and I'm not, maybe not max, but like Lily, but me as a, I don't try to remember when that thing came out. I was probably in my late twenties. It took me a while to even watch it myself. Cause it's not like you want to sit down with popcorn and watch that. You know? oh, no, It's like, it you got to get ready to be 
sad and brutalized for however long, two hours, however long the movie is. Yeah. Well, and, and then <clears throat> talking about an immersive experience, you know, we celebrate on, on Easter, hmm. but and maybe this has something to do with like the psychological aspect of, of Easter. It's like we, we sometimes jump to the celebration without yeah. sitting in the the grossness and the <clears throat> the reality of what Jesus actually went through mm-hmm. on our behalf, you know. And so it's easy to kind of like uh, take for granted, or in in a lot of ways, like this is a really gross way to put it, but just like spit on the mm. the the just brutality that Jesus was willing to endure and talk about like hatred, man, like that they, and for doing nothing wrong, you know what I mean? Fully knowing that that was going to be his experience. And yet he, it says that he despised the cross or looked down on it and actually went to it with joy that this is, this was what he had to do well, to and redeem knowing, mankind. Knowing what the what it would produce. Yeah. You know, well, you know how people joy. get caught up in a frenzy, and I can only imagine the the Roman soldiers, the the people that crucified, the people that walked by and just mocked Jesus. Mm-hmm. It had to be like this mob that was just caught up in it. You know, yeah. even before when those that condemned Jesus said we will take the guilt on ourselves and our children and children's children. It's like, that was just a frenzy. And I think, mm. I think Jesus knew humanity enough to realize that with the right set of circumstances, people were just going to be saying and doing things they didn't mean. Even his disciples, man, running away, you know, fleeing and leaving him behind. And, yeah. um, and, well, and I think well, we, they like knew you said, what we don't, was coming too. Well, and he had told them, I don't know if they, yeah. <laughs> they didn't believe it, but, if you think about the true emotion of those disciples, man, imagining imagining this week, like today is Monday as we're recording this. You'll hear this on Friday if you listen to the first day. And it's like Monday, everything seemed fine. Hmm. I mean, there was tension. We went to Jerusalem. Tension's rising. I'm sure they could feel it. But in their heads, he was the conquering king. Things are going to be fine. Tuesday, he says, hey, go prepare that that room. Um prepare our Passover meal. And then he washes their feet Mm -hmm. and he shares with them this bread and this cup. And they're just not fully understanding it. They're not fully getting it. And then by that night he's arrested. It's like that their world had to be upside down, dude. And it had to be so unsettling, so chaotic. Hmm. And for, for us to sit in that and try to work with people through that, that's why we want to jump to the end of the story because we just, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, we've all been in the valley and we just don't, <laughs> that is not a fun place to be. No. You know, when we, when we watch a movie, we want that movie to wrap up and get to the good part. Yeah. And when a movie leaves you hanging in the bad stuff, Ooh, that's not, that's not what I came. That's not what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the passion of the Christ is it, it sits in the, the suffering mm-hmm. and it's a, it's an incredible picture of a glimpse into the experience that Jesus went through for us. And Holy Week is supposed to be not us reveling in that and not even elevating it, 
but sure acknowledging it, surely acknowledging it mm-hmm. and acknowledging it every time we take the supper. You know, every time we uh, celebrate communion together is looking back and saying, oh, Jesus, thank you for doing that for me. Yeah. Well, because G- humans are humans are fickle, man, like and myself included in that. And I can say that with confidence because I'm fickle mm-hmm. and I, I so often forget, man, we get swept away with the, the cares of the day and the things that are, that are going <clears> on. <throat> and like, that's why I think it's so important to, um, remind ourselves of the gospel every day. And we're, we're going through a series with our tweens right now called echo. And it's like, we're working through what is, what does it take for a person to remember mm the, the, the things that they need to remember in this life. And so one of the things we're having them doing is saying, we ask them this question every week is like, what did God do in your life this week that you want to remember? And then we write it down. And that's one of the ways that, cause I told them, I said, any, every time you tell a story, it forces you, whether you recognize that it's happening or not, it forces you to recall and pull that information through your your brain and actually rehearse what happened and it's interesting the the longer you go without telling a story you the more pieces of it that you forget if something's fresh on your mind you're able to have that story and you're able to tell that story with mm-hmm. great accuracy mm-hmm. But the longer you go, the less accuracy that that story has, and it's even un, unintentionally you could potentially add details that you remember or don't remember clearly, and you say it as if they're facts. Right. And somebody's like, if they were there, they're like, that didn't that never happened. And you're like, really? I like I could have swore so and so was there. I could have swore so and so said this, or I could have swore like and so I wonder uh, you know, why it's so important for us to remember the resurrection and you know, like why communion is so important is because it forces us to rehearse. It yeah. forces us to remember and thank God he gave us some benchmarks. Cage asked me the other day, he goes, he goes, dad, what's a, um, oh man, what did he ask? What's a memorial? Mm. Cause it was on the radio or something. Anyways, he goes, he goes, what's a memorial? And I said, well, uh, it's something that you like set up, whether, um, you know, it's a physical object or something like whether you journal or whatever, like it's something that's, it's recorded so that you can go back and remember it. And, uh, he goes, okay. And so then I reference, uh, you know, the 12 stones of Israel. And I said like this, they actually, God told them to plant those there, those 12 stones mm. so that they could bring generation after generation when they ask, Hey, what is that? Like they would rehearse the things that God had done in their life. And, you know, as a nine-year-old, he's, it's starting to click with him, you know, even things like that, that, you know, how, how often do we lose our curiosity or lose the art of rehearsing and remembering the things that God, God has done in our life that we just think, oh yeah. And, and it's, it's a, it's an expectation or a, um, it's an entitlement thing of like, we just expect that God will do things in our life and continue to. And we don't, we don't think about the importance of remembering, 
uh, what he's done um, and recalling the history that we come from and um, the things that took place in order for us to be where we are today. Yeah. One of the things I, that we talked through yesterday was the importance of being reminded um, mm-hmm. and remembering. And I, I asked, I asked the question, you know, what are some big monumental spiritual things in your life that you've experienced, but you've never mm-hmm. written them down, never shared them with anybody. And then they, like you said, because our memories are so, ah, they're unreliable. You know, our memories are so unreliable, especially things that we haven't rehearsed. It's like it fades off into the distance and then it actually, and it's like it never happened. And I'm sure there's things that have happened in my life that I can't, I don't remember because I never really stopped and thought about it, considered it, wrote it down, told uh-huh. anyone. And so then it's just a, it's a fog. Hmm. And I, I think the gospel's like that. Dude, it was so <clears throat> good yesterday. Uh, what you read second Peter, it was second Peter, uh, two, three, three. I started in one, but three is where we, well, what was the one? It was at the end of end of the chapter. He told you why, why he was doing it. It was like to stir your, yeah. uh, provoke, um, stimulate your wholesome, living. wholesome thinking. Yeah. So what was it? What That's was that verse? One. Cause I want to read it. Chapter one at the, at the very end, right? Yep. It says, um, what verse was it? Go in just a second. Sorry. I guess I could go to the Bible event. You know, the Bible event, that's probably where it is. Plan. Bethel Community Church. This is actually at the beginning. Nope. Yeah. Yeah, it's chapter two, chapter three. So, man, sorry. Okay, that's what I was going to say. I yeah, thought it was verse at the one, end. verse one of chapter three. So he said, This is my, se- oh yeah, this is my second letter to you, dear friends. And in both of them, I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. And I don't know, like that just, that hit me. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, because you talked about uh, scripture as a, a, a a framework for reminding us and, and mm-hmm. to like actually engage our minds <clears throat> because how many times, even as, even as pastors, do we get caught up in just going through the motions of just reading scripture because it's our duty or because it's something that we've always done. It's like habits. You talked about training wheels and saying, man, it's, it's actually good to create these habits. But then at some point it actually needs to graduate or to move beyond just Mm. the, the habitual, but move to actually stimulate and cause you to be curious and be like, Oh man, I wonder why he said that. Or I wonder, like, I wonder what the people were thinking when, when, when that was presented to them or how did they receive that? And there's so many questions that you can ask. And, and it just, I don't know, it was, it was a great reminder yesterday of like why God gives us these historical accounts and, and why the, the, the prophets and the, you know, um, the apostles and these, these people wrote Mm. letters and scripture to one another that we actually have the benefit of looking back and seeing to stimulate our wholesome thinking and to, which leads to then wholesome living and to thinking about things in, in a way that 
is counterintuitive to the world around us in a lot of a lot of ways and a lot of times. Well, and he ties this whole thought together, and I think we look at scripture, we want to cherry pick, but he's ta- he's tying it all together that there's something that was planted, whether the the reader here wanted it or not. Hmm. There was something planted there through the prophets specifically, but then he tied the prophets to they weren't just giving you a good philosophy. It was actually the spirit of God that gave them the message that you heard that now centuries later, he's trying to re-stimulate. So it's almost like Mm. he's trying to say, hey, this thing is not yours, but that stimulating is something seed, like a seed that's there that he's watering again to bring fruit again. And so like I just, at my house, Mm. I've talked about my silly blackberries forever. I was so pumped because last week I went, I go out there all the time because I know it's about time for them to start, you know, flourishing again Mm -hmm. and i walk out last week and there's this tiny little green leaf coming up again and so what did i do i went and got water and i'm like how stupid i should have put water on it first but the the earth is doing what it's supposed to do there's something about the weather change and the rain that's Mm -hmm. stimulating something that was buried in the ground that's that's buried in the ground and i think that verse in particular or or what, what peter's trying to do in the whole book of second peter is something's already there it's planted and what I'm doing is I'm re-stimulating, I'm re-watering it so that you're refreshing again so that you'll live holy lives again, like mm-hmm. holy, like you're thinking again. And then he says, why? What's the point? And he goes down here. Um, he says, most importantly, I want to remind you about these things. And there's always a question that Jesus is not coming back. Like people are mm-hmm. like, eh, he's not coming back. It's been 2,000 years. He's not coming back. And the resurrection is so powerful and I think if we can just stop in the resurrection, we won't realize the stimulating, wholesome thinking and refreshing memory mm-hmm. is that the reason that that's so powerful is he's going to fulfill all his other promises, which is he's coming back. <laughs> Heaven is real. You know? I think <laughs> I just I just had this thought, like, I wonder if that's why people <clears throat> come in droves to an Easter service because there is that little like mm-hmm. the seed that's been planted and and people I think I think they want it to be true yeah. which speaks to the desire that all of us have and uh the natural tendency that we all have to look for hope in the mm-hmm. things that you know and sometimes the things that we put our hope in they don't offer they're like they don't they don't live up to the promise that they made. And so there's actually like this, like churning in, in our hearts. And this is a time of year where maybe, you know, you can either get frustrated with the people that they only come on Easter and you know, like, (laughs) Hey, great to see you. See you next year. (laughs) And there's just those people. And so you can get frustrated with it. Or you can actually look at it and say, man, those there, there's people that are still holding out for hope. There's actually like this glimmer of like, man, I really want this to be true. Right. I really want the resurrection to be true. I really want like the return of Christ to be true, like that, that he actually did raise from the dead, that he actually did go and he, he's actually going to come back again. Because outside of that, I put my faith and my hope in so many things that have let me down. And I'm like, I'm still holding out that this one thing that 
once a year or maybe Mm -hmm. several times throughout the year is reawakened in me that I want it to be this. I just, I'm, I'm hopeful that it will one day come to pass. I agree. And I think that's why we do it. That's why we even open our doors on that day. Yeah. Because we, we actually think there is something planted in our community Mm -hmm. that the spirit is drawing out. And actually, if you think about it, it's, it's weird to me that it's Christmas, which is the birth of Jesus and then it's Easter, which is the death of Jesus, and yet those, mm-hmm. all that time in between, which is, let's say it's a dry season of a wilderness, mm-hmm. it's almost like there is some kind of awakening that happens around the gift of birth and then the understanding of death. I mean, it's like our, it's our whole life. And so I think when people focus on those two things, birth mm-hmm. and death, I think they're looking at their own lives and there is a, there is a seed there that the spirit is putting there. And I, I firmly believe that presented properly scripture says it won't come back empty. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's going to produce some kind of fruit. Yeah. So I always know, I mean, Easter and Christmas, we're always going to hit the gospel. We're always going to share it because it's like, I don't know if this is the one thing that God's going to use through Peter or God's going to use through Paul or God's going to use through Jesus Mm -hmm. himself that, just stimulates that that seed, mm-hmm. and then we'll see a fruit come. Because I, because I know I've seen, I've actually know people. I know people in our church right now that it was an Easter or a Christmas that <laughs> that sparked or stimulated that that growth of of a, of a flourishing fruit producing plant. Yeah. You know, because I don't think anybody is like only thinking spiritual things Christmas and Easter. I think right. they are thinking in the times. They're just getting filled by concerts and sports and you know, the Amazon order that's coming on the, on the front porch. I mean, it's like, we're filling that need somewhere. Right. And, and our hope is that whatever they hear or whoever they interact with or whatever they, they participate in on that, on that Sunday would be enough to stimulate that to, to grow, you know, that's our prayer anyway. Agriculture isn't, is an interesting thing. There's so many, uh, crossovers when it comes to the story of the gospel and Mm -hmm. seeds and and planting and watering and all these kinds of things. I was reminded as you were talking about like, you know, uh, like your blackberries and death, there's something that was like reawakened. And now is the time of season where you like scalp your lawn and and specifically here in Oklahoma, it's different in other places, but in our context here in Oklahoma, grass is Bermuda. It's basically (laughs) a weed, but they call it grass and you don't want to walk on it barefoot and it's annoying. But anyways, it it goes dead it goes dormant and it looks, it's brown and it's like, it flakes off, you roll in it and it gets stuck to your clothes and you're like, ugh. But there's new life to come. And when you, when you know that that new life is coming, then you actually spend the time to, uh, to cultivate it, when cultivate that. It. Yeah. And so like, and it happens so fast, man. Oh dude. Like it's, it's crazy. It's I like scalped, next week we're going to be mowing. I, and I'm going to be like, well, this sucks. <laughs> I scalped, I scalped on Friday and it's amazing I'm how a, I'm a terrible scalper. Dude. The places that, <laughs> well, if you scalp too far, this is what's interesting. And w- like the point that I, that I want to make when it comes to like life and new growth and stuff like that, um, you, you want to cut off, cut away some of the, some of the dead part, but I have like lumps in my, mm. my, my foundation of my grass <clears throat> is not super level. And Mine if either. I, if I don't pay attention to it of where those dips are, 
my blade will just <laughs> and cut it down to the dirt. Crew cut. And it takes forever yeah. for that to grow back. And so you can actually like get frustrated with the, the dead stuff and just buzz it all off mm-hmm. if, if you wanted to. And it's going to like, there's some patches that unless you replant a seed, it won't grow back. Interesting. It's just, it's just dead. Like, and, and you've, you've cut the root out of, uh, mm. the stuff. So even the stuff on the surface is dead. There's actually life underneath it. Mm-hmm. And if not handled properly, you can really do some, some damage. You know what I mean? And so I think like, let the mm. life live under the surface, so to speak, and be okay knowing that there's going to come a season where God through whether human interaction or a circumstance or an experience that that person might have, that there's actually the, the power of God and the spirit of God has the authority to bring that back to life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think, I think uh, I'm reminded of uh, the resurre- resurrection specifically. It's interesting. Jesus told them, told his disciples, he says, go to Gal- or Galilee and I'll meet you there. Mm. And this was before he died. And so Which, you got to think like there was something inside of them that's like they trusted that he was going to come back. <laughs> because it says specifically in, in 28, it says that they they went to Galilee. 11 of them went to Galilee. And I wonder, like, and that's how? not just next door, right? So I, I was there, and okay, I hadn't I didn't really put this together to your saying it right now, but he's crucified in Jerusalem, right? And then he says to go to Galilee, and that's where he shows up and tells them to throw their nets over again. It's like, mm-hmm. well, that wasn't close. That was a that was a, a a trek up up north, you know, in Israel. How far? Like, do you know how I'd far? I'd lie to you if I said it's a couple okay. day, it's a couple day journey. Wow. So they Walking. had to, like, and I mean, so it's a couple hours driving, but it's a couple day journey. Put yourself in their shoes of, okay, in their life experience, yeah, he's dead. Yeah. Like, our, 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 the person that we put our hope in is dead, yet he told us that he was going to meet us in Galilee. This doesn't make sense. Well, and when they're on their way, the those two disciples that are on the road, oh, and dude, Jesus so walks funny. with them, and they don't know it's him. The road to All that is really interesting because, like you said, this is, and this proves more about Jesus than anything else because mm-hmm. it's not he's not confined to a place. Just because he rose in Jerusalem doesn't mean that that's the only place he can appear. Right. And for him to show up in Galilee, which all the disciples went back to their... <laughs> former way of living. They went mm-hmm. back to their old vocation. That's what we all do. And even after Easter, if you think about it, after Easter, unless we have an encounter with Jesus, the risen Savior, after Easter, we're just going back to our old life. You know, we're just going back to work, oh. back to normal stuff. And then Jesus yeah. shows up the next Sunday or the next day, and you're like, oh. And then he's like, hey, throw that net over. So mm-hmm. you're at work and you're working and Easter was cool. I had a great time yesterday and yeah. now I'm back at work. And then you're there and, and, and God is speaking to you at work saying, Hey, remember what was stimulated yesterday? Why don't you throw that net over there? Why don't you go mm-hmm. do a little more? And then Jesus becomes so real. It transformed their whole lives. The reason that we're sitting here today is because Jesus showed up in Galilee. <laughs> I mean, that's a awesome, but then they went back to Jerusalem because he left on the Mount of Olives. So what was that all about? He told him to go back and wait for him in the upper room. 
Oh, dude, there's so many like, there's so many crazy things in that. Because then there, there's like, and that's why the time was it forty days? I think that Jesus appeared to many people. Yeah, I think so. I think that's. I'm trying to find it in, in Matthew. Maybe it's not in Matthew's account. But Matthew 28, you know, the Great Commission. Right. Uh, one of the guys in our church, uh, Derek, mentioned this that was good. yesterday. And then he said to them, uh, you know, don't be afraid. Go tell, go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. And then he says, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Mm-hmm. When they saw him, they worshiped him but some of them doubted. <laughs> so even in the midst of like, <laughs> you think of all that's transpired, like the things that Jesus predicted that came true, you would think the, 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 the logical person would be like, there's no explanation for this. Like this dude must be who he said he is, but there was still some of them that, that doubted. And yet Jesus chose to to use them anyways and to chose to be with them and to fill them with the spirit and it's crazy oh man well it's, it's a just... in in luke uh 24 it says then jesus led them to bethany and that bethany is like a stone's throw from jerusalem to the mat says to um led them to bethany and lifting his hands to heaven he blessed them and while he was blessing them he was taken up to heaven so mm-hmm. i had i had lunch on mount zion which is like that mount where Jesus is going to return right over, right over by Bethany. Really interesting. <clears throat> it's a all that together, and you bring it all together, and you think about okay, so why is this week so important? This week's so important because it needs to refresh our memory. It needs to get us excited. He's coming back. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it stimulates our our living, our wholesome thinking, our living. It refreshes our memory. It gets us excited again. Man, I don't know who's going to come on Sunday, but the whole point is mm-hmm. this is just fun. You know, we get to enjoy this abundant life that Jesus has given us because of his resurrection. Um, and the resurrection is powerful, mm-hmm. powerful stuff. So that's real good. Well, man, we've been talking for a while. Yeah, we did. It's good. We this enjoyed was, it. This is a holy podcast. The holy one. The holy podcast. <laughs> the holy podcast. Dude, I am. That was such a good. <laughs> that was good, man. That was real good. Well, we have a, a this new section that we've been trying out. Mm. I, you know, I was gonna I was gonna talk about uh, Matthew Bird. I was gonna talk about Richie the Barber. We'll talk about them next time because yeah. um, I do what I told Matthew Bird. He said that you get you've been talking to him and about it, and I said, you know what you need to do is you need to tell. I told Matthew Bird this. I said you need to tell Ruben, hey. Ruben, let's do a podcast and leave Ray out. No. And then we can have a discussion, and then I'll be the one listening to it saying, oh, I wanted to be in that podcast. <laughs> I didn't say I wanted no, to be in the podcast. I told him to tell you that. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So him to say, hey, Ruben, you and I are going to do a podcast. Ray's not going to be on it. <laughs> that was, that'd, be dirty. that'd be fun. That'd be funny. That'd be dirty. <laughs> was it, like a, was it like, a, like a bait? You're trying to bait me, dude? No. To I was leave just, you out? I was just telling him. I said, you know. I will say I do have a bone to pick with you though, because oh, you said because you said several times my podcast. Well, it's like you can say my podcast too. No, I wouldn't. Yeah. I would say I would always say our podcast. Yeah, but if you're talking to somebody and say I have a podcast, no, yeah. I would yes. say we. I would say we have a podcast. But who's the we? What if it's somebody that doesn't know me at all? 
they know you, but they don't know me. No, I've always say, said, I have a podcast. I always say me and my friend do a podcast. That's what I say all the time. Well, yeah, because that's us. Right. Me and my <laughs> friend do a podcast. Said, I have a podcast. It's all is interchangeable, dude. It's just <laughs> tomato, tomato, potato, it's potato. So funny how you think of things differently than I do. <laughs> we process things so differently. Well, because it's Anyways, not I cutting anybody I, out. It's just I like I wasn't, my, I wasn't yours. Uh, I, I wasn't upset with you. I was just thought it was funny. The Jack Wagon doesn't work without Ray and Ruben. I have a friend named Ben, and it's awesome because uh, we. The joke is you can't spell Ruben without Ben. Yo. And so it's, it's kind of a. That's funny a Ruben. Thing. That's a Ruben juke. Yeah, Ruben juke, Ruben joke, and I love dad jokes. So I'm Sweet. super proud of you for doing this. Okay. Okay. So just a second. So, just a second. I got to get our little intro going. Mm, here. All right. You remember which button it is? No. We're professionals here. You nailed it. Bro. I got am it. the greatest. I need to adjust this a little bit. Somebody stop me. I'll tell you which thing I'm at. I did not have, did not have. <laughs> <laughs> so. Take one small step for man. And we're landing on the moon. One giant for man. I pity the fool. 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 And now, the rest of the story. You don't know Jack. Jack Wagons. Nice. Jack Wagons. All right. All right. I have something today. All right, tell me. I had two things, but I think I was wrong about one of them. <laughs> I was in my car, and I, you you mentioned something at uh, breakfast oh. with uh, or uh, at coffee this morning, and I so I tried to Google it. It was the the James passage where he says uh, the the anger of man does not produce oh, yeah. the righteousness of God, mm-hmm. and so I was trying to like I couldn't remember the reference of it, but I was like, oh man, I want to write that like put it on my dashboard mirror because like I'm want to right. Anyways. So I tried to Google it and it says it's or I tried to use Siri and it said you cannot or Siri cannot uh, meet this request or something like that. I was like, did Siri? So I tried it in several different ways and it said it again. I was like, what's the what's the passage about uh, God's or uh, righteousness of God said the same thing. What's this? What's the passage about uh, wrath of man? Same thing. Because I was like and I was like, dude, did they take out the Bible? Yeah. I really thought it was, but then I think Chad it was GCP because he has blocked I, the Bible. Oh, dude! Oh, that's what we do. We we uh, need to get in a rabbit hole about. I wonder that. if we I could. I wonder if research. we could have the Chat GTP write a script for the rabbit hole ramble, and you and I have to play the parts and read exactly what's there. I wonder how it'd do. Oh, hey, Chris Johnson, if you're listening, help us with this, dude. That would that be, would be scary. It? If it like sounded like us, it basically it was would just be a bunch of yeets. actually say yeet yeet yeet. <laughs> no, just like peace yeet peace peace. And then uh, it would be you saying, "Dude, dude, <laughs> dude, come on, don't, don't say uh, that." That's funny. Okay, okay so. my you don't know Jack Wagon is. Have you ever heard of something called the pour over? So are we talking a podcast? Or nope, are we talking it's not a podcast. coffee? Or are we talking? No, nope, it's based. I don't know. It's based around Tell coffee, me. but I came across this thing because I'm trying to find ways. Uh, I'm trying to find good friends that will curate the news for nice. me. Nice. <laughs> yes, it's the Pour Over Podcast. Is it a podcast? Yes. I, no. They do have a podcast. You don't know. Dang, Jack I don't even know Jack about the things that I know Jack about. <sighs> okay, so anyways, I 
it's mine's i subscribe to their <laughs> weekly email oh so you get now. an email yeah See, i didn't know that part okay so they have a podcast well so we've taught each other something good so anyways why would you I, read it if you can hear it that's, that's what right. I so know. now i'm gonna listen to the podcast because i don't i would rather listen to it <laughs> so <laughs> gonna... thank you for teaching me jack about my jack <laughs> That's oh, hilarious, dude. dude. This sucks. I'm gonna show you. Ah, see, I told you. You probably like know some. Well, that's you know what, what I was asking, uh, and you're like, no. And I was like, oh, teach me. Uh, no, it's just a. I subscribe to their uh, thing because it gives you a um, kind of. It it has a positive spin because one of my biggest. Yes, that's it. So see, I mean, it's one like, of my biggest um, kind of complaints, I guess, <laughs> with the news is like, there's like, what do you do with this information? Like, how do right. you how do you process it in a way that is a follower of Jesus in the society in which we live? How do you like there was navigate? A few po- there was all a few the podcasts I used to listen to that would curate the news like that, mm-hmm. but they got so monotonous. <clears throat> they mm-hmm. would just say the same stuff mm-hmm. every day, every week, and I was like, okay, you're not really telling me anything other than your point of view and so i've kind of expanded my my things mm. i i don't i don't read all the news uh, but i have a few spots that i kind of gather the the news from mm-hmm. but i did the pour over for a little while and and it'd probably be great for you i don't know i mean i don't know see i knew you would have already Sorry. been there done that and thought it was stupid i don't think it's stupid <laughs> i think for you it's great ruben <laughs> Oh, dude, that's you're, bad. That's really that was bad. like that was like the true Oklahoma like that's bad like uh what do you yeah. bless your bless heart, your heart. <laughs> oh yeah bless that's your so heart bad. you young no I actually think you would like that podcast I, I, now that I'm thinking about it more I think you would you know what I should do is I should create my own I should call it curated and just have a daily curated for Ruben and it's audio and then just curated that's what I was hoping you would do I just don't want to do all that work for you man that well <laughs> if you're if you're my friend you will. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you're you're helping uh, me protect my mind. That's good, man. That's good. I like it. Okay, I, I got one for you. Okay. So, did you when you were growing up? This is context, contextual. So, okay. Did, when you were growing up, did you get a Game Boy? Oh yeah. Okay. So, what was the game that came included with the Game Boy? Like a cartridge. There was a cartridge that came with the Game Boy. You know, you got the original. See, I got the original Game Boy, like the monochrome, black and white. Yeah. You know, so there was a game that came with it, and it's the most popular game of all time. Tetris. Do you know the story behind Tetris? No. Dude, I... My mind is blown. No, I actually... If it's what you think I'm going to say... I don't know. it, It was... No. Does it have something to do with like war and stuff? Oh yeah. Okay. Cold War. Yeah. So who uh, like where did it come from? Somebody sent me a video about oh, it and I watched it. So you do know. Dude, it was like I was like, I don't know if I can play Tetris anymore, but I Oh love yes. It. We gotta play Tetris, man. Support <clears throat> that support that dude. Okay. Because he lives in, in San Francisco now. He's he created a, him and a, him and the guy, they created a company called the World of Tetris or something. I don't know. Oh. Anyway, Christy and I watched a movie last night <clears throat> Okay, called Tetris. Uh, disclaimer, I don't know if I recommend it. There's cussing in it, so don't judge me. Okay. <laughs> but the story was fascinating based on a true story. And I'm like, did this really happen? So Christy hates this about me, but as I'm watching something based on a true story, I can't keep my phone off my hands because I'm always like, did that really happen? Did that really happen? Did that really happen? Because Mikhail Gorbachev came, came up in the movie too. And I'm like, 
did he have anything to do with Tetris? And so I'm like Googling did did Mikhail Gorbachev, which he was him and Reagan, you know, when I was a kid, that was like a big thing. They mm. were uh, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. I should put that in our, you don't know Jack, but um, it's fascinating, man, because Tetris when I was a kid, and here's why it's a cool thing, is that Tetris was one of the first games that crossed all generations. So mm. kids and old were drawn to it. And so I remember getting a Game Boy in the late 80s, and then I got another one in the early 90s. And the reason I got another one is because my mom and dad wouldn't keep their hands off my Game Boy. <laughs> like, they, my mom would only play Tetris. That's all she would play. But she would sit there for hours playing Tetris. And I was like, how cool is this? But I recommend the movie, if you don't mind a little cussing. Sorry. Um, it's, it's a game got, called Tetris. It's right. got... It's got war it's got spying it's got stealing it's got monopolies it's got licensing it's got mikhail gorbachev it's got america it's got japan i mean it's got all sorts of stuff because game boy is based out of japan and game boy wanted to license it for a handheld which was a secret thing and they, they supposedly had already licensed it for arcades and for computers pcs and for other stuff and this guy went to russia to get the license and come to find out no one had a license they hadn't sold the license so it was a stolen game for the longest time. Oh. So anyway, really, really fascinating story. So. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to watch it. And I'm currently on Amazon right now looking up how much a Game Boy is because old, you've re inspired me. The old Game Boy or the new I'm, Game I'm Boy? I'm going to Vintage. Oh my goodness, dude. 157 bucks for I'm like hoping. the the, the original? <clears throat> the original. Oh, do like, they actually have it? That's not bad, actually. It's an eighty nine dollar. It was eighty nine bucks back says, in the day. It says renewed. Well, so it was. It's sold, it must cool. have been refurbished. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm hoping my brother doesn't listen to this episode. But I'm going to go to his house, and I'm going to take back my Game Boy. He still has them. Dude. Both of them. You have two. I have two. Of course, the first one and the second one that I bought Love with it. my own money. I need to go back and get that, man. Let me borrow one. Favorite game was Mario. Mario, man. I want. I, Mario World. I want, conquered that baby in one hour. I'm frustrated because now there's so many like rights on these games and stuff like that oh. that like you have to have a certain amount of ads or garbage. Dude, all I want to do is play Tetris on the Switch. And, and you can't? Well, it's like. On the Switch, not, you like, should be able to. Yeah, but there's like a. I don't know. It's like I downloaded it. I downloaded a couple of them. I tried to do it from mm. the Nintendo store, but then it'll only let you do a certain amount of levels or something like that. It's weird. I'm well, like, they have one called Mega, and it's 999 want... levels. On the a, Switch? Oh, not on. I mean, just Tetris has it. Okay. I don't know where it is, but I did a deep dive last night, jumped into a lot of. Dude, I holes. just want. There's. I, I think more for me, it's like not even as much about the game as much as it is about the nostalgia of oh, yeah. playing it on the Game Boy, because that was my original introduction to because um, it's a Tetris. free game man it came with it <laughs> well and i did i did play it on the regular nintendo though as well oh so but on the preloaded ones they don't have it it's different they don't yeah. have they don't they didn't put tetris on there That's isn't that frustrating well they had to pay for the handheld i know the other i don't know but the, for the handheld they called it handheld which was the game boy they had mm-hmm. to pay they originally said 25 cents a unit that they sell then they went to 50 cents and i think they ended at a dollar they paid them a dollar a unit. And so mm. when that thing first started selling, man, millions of dollars. just Wow. So really interesting. So, well, man, both of us knew our You Don't Know Jack. So, hey. So we do. Up. So we boom, know boom. Jack. So I need to make another one that says, you do know 
Jack, but you're still a jack wagon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, man. Well, this has been good. I uh, always enjoy hanging out. So happy Holy Week and happy Good Friday, everyone. Take some time this week to reflect and stimulate your wholesome thinking. Yes. And refresh your memory. Be reminded of what God has done. And we're going to celebrate on Sunday. He is who he says he is. He did what he said he's going to do. And he's coming back. Let's go. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Rabbit Hole Ramble. This is a podcast where we say Say the quiet quiet part part out loud. loud. Yeah. Oh, that was a pretty good one. I'm going to do the outro because that was so good that we just got to wrap up. Have a great week, dude. Peace. Yeah. Remind me next time to tell you about. Do you think? Do you think? Do you think? Do you think you added that boom in there because you feel like you had to have the last say the last word? That was that subconscious. I bet you it was, man. There's some deep dark secrets holes in my in my heart. I'm calling you out today. That's bad. I'll let you have the last word. Say it. You jackwagon. Say it. Ruben's a turd. That's the last word.